This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple, and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports industry, and I wanted the opportunity to give back, to give back to those individuals that want to get into this business, or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at a high level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with an industry professional to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week, it's really interesting with a lot of people in this industry, they talk about a tight-knit industry, and it's actually a very small industry. Everybody kind of knows everybody, even though you're spread across the United States. And our next guest is an individual uh, that I've actually never had the privilege of working with directly at a team, but I've known her for almost a decade. Our next guest is the Chief Revenue Officer for the Houston Dynamo, Houston Dash, and BBVA Stadium. Deanna Witter. Deanna, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me, Travis. Deanna, before we get into talking about your career journey and career path, which you've had a great one and a really exciting one that the listeners are going to love, you are the first of many female industry executives that will be on 52 Weeks of Hustle. And after spending over 14 years in the industry, what are you most proud of in regards to helping pave the way for successful women? Oh, man. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know if I've ever considered myself somebody of, of paving the way. There's a lot of women I feel like that paved the way for me. Um, but, you know, I would just say that, you know, I'm really happy to be one of many examples of women, um, you know, who are accomplishing their professional and personal goals. Um, in this industry, you know, I realize that, you know, there's um, a lot of challenges, both men and women to navigate up. Um, and so just like the athletes who play this sport, you know, we just love to compete and, and play at the top. So if you want to play at the elite level, you got to play to win and play to succeed. Well, that, that is true, Deanna. And you're certainly, you know, to your point, you're paving the way and, and certainly helping out. And you've even taken that one step further. You actually started your own podcast, Women Blazers. So let's talk about that for a few minutes. Why did you start the podcast? Well, first, appreciate the plug. <laughs> Listen to Women Blazers. Um, You're not going to sponsor this? <laughs> no, they're going to sponsor me. I was going to get to sponsor my, my Back and forth. Right. There you go. Um, yeah. So, you know, for it, starting the podcast was something I had been thinking about for a while. Um, I wanted to do something when I got to Houston um, in this space, um, helping elevate to your point why you're doing this podcast. You want to give back um, in the industry. Um, and, and make a difference. And I think um, for me, um, the platform of, of a podcast made the most sense. And it was on a two-week road trip um, during the Christmas break. We get a two-week break in the MLS. And so on that, on that trip, I was able to start to um, outline and define what the podcast would be, the name, the format. It started to kind of lay the, the groundwork. And then I shelved it 
um, after that vacation because I figured it wouldn't be something I'd be able to launch until after um, our season. And so this, this pandemic period that we've had allowed me to um, take it off the shelf and determine like, hey, if there's, a, there's never a better time to get something started. So I launched it in, um, in late March. And, you know, I, the biggest thing for me is, you know, there's just a lot of, I wanted to, to elevate profiles and really kind of show that there's a lot of women in this industry doing some incredible things. And it's unfortunate that there's just not a lot of exposure to that um, at a higher level. And so I wanted to expose that um, not just to other women in the industry, but to, to all sports professionals. Um, I think there's a lot of, a lot of um, opportunity to learn and grow through um, sharing stories and experiences of others. And I think it's very um, interesting to hear from the perspective of a woman going through that, that same process and path. And so um, I'm happy that um, I was able to dedicate time to that, to that passion project. And I'm happy, you know, that it's now launched and, and I'm very, very happy to see the response that I've gotten um, since launching that podcast. Yeah, absolutely. Great response. And you, Deanna, you briefly mentioned it prior, like there have been a lot of people prior to you, women in the industry and successful that you've looked up and maybe mentors and mentees, but you know, why is it such an important topic for you? You know, I think it's an important topic because I don't know, there's diversity in this industry is so important. Um, and I think that as you're looking up, there's this thought that that men dominate this industry. It's a male dominated industry, something that you hear very often in talking about the sports industry. Um, but in reality, it's it, when you remove the word male, truly it's a dominant industry. As you know, um, you and I both know, it's, it's challenging to kind of move up the path and, and move up the ranks if you're wanting to be in a position to um, lead at that level. And it doesn't matter if you're a man or woman, it's, it's challenging. And But what you notice is it's those dominant scenarios in which people are are succeeding excelling in this industry so remove male and just dominate and i think that was really big and i wanted to show and and really elevate those profiles of women who are dominating this industry and that they're doing the same thing that their male counterparts are doing um yet there's this perception as you're growing up in the industry that um, there's a secret sauce and there's this the situation where the, the opportunities aren't there they're there go take them and i think that was a big thing and it's like so as you're hearing the stories of women um, there's this, there's this common, even though everybody has their unique story, there's this common thread of they just went after it and they didn't let those challenges or those, those barriers that, that have they, they had seen really be a barrier at all. Um, and these kept pushing forward. Yeah. I know that the few episodes I've listened to thus far is every single one has found a way to just get it done. You know, just get it done. Right. On the way. Right. So don't, so get out of your own way and just go for it. You know, I think that was one of those things that I've, I've learned and something I had learned through other people. Um, that anything is possible and that you truly are limitless when you put in the work, um, focus and, and keep challenging yourself to keep pushing forward. No, absolutely. Well, somebody, you know, that, that was a guest on 52 Weeks Hustle that we both know very well, Brendan Donahue, yes. uh, was just on talking about, you know, storytelling. And so yeah. I'll kind of give you the platform here as well. Uh, you've been in sales your whole career and storytelling is a big piece of that. So please tell the listeners, why should they be tuning into Women Blazers? Oh, geez. You know, um, you know, you should turn into Women Blazers because it's an opportunity for you to listen and hear, like I said, the stories of women in this industry who are either breaking barriers or, or on a, on a um, journey to blaze trails. And through the experiences of others, insights can be gained and you can be inspired through those stories. So tune in, listen to some great women, connect with them. They're very accessible um, and continue to work on your craft and um, build up your skills and opportunities. 
Killed it. Well, hopefully everyone continues to tune into Women Blazers. To, hear, to your point, a lot of great stories of sports industry leaders continue to break barriers and blaze trails. So now back to how you started you know, in this industry. Yana grew up in Flint, Michigan, went to Central Michigan. You were the first person in your family to go to college, right? That's correct. Yes, yeah, so I'm a first-generation college student. Um, you know, oddly enough, I've never really dived deep into this piece. Um, I usually, it's like, oh, I'm a first-generation college student, and you just kind of keep going on with your story. Um, oddly enough, you know, education was unfortunately not a priority um, in our family. So um, no one was really encouraged to pursue college. It was go to school, get a job after college, and then just get into this nine-to-five nine cycle, um, pay your bills, and find some highlights, I would think, between now and end of your life. And, um, you know, I, I really thought early on, like, I just wanted to take it upon myself to be an example um, in my family and to kind of change that path. And that if you can get a degree um, and do something you love, then go do it. And so um, I, I definitely made that determination really early on that I was going to be that person. Nice. Well, you know, yeah, I know, I know we were briefly talking about before we went on air, you know, just about, you know, kind of our career paths and how we've, you know, not necessarily worked together, but worked hand in hand. And so, yeah. you know, and, and like any guest, I, I, you know, probably similar to you when you host your podcast, I try to do a little bit of research and find some things outside the box. And I thought it was interesting. I found an old interview uh, with Crane's Cleveland Business. Um, yeah. You mentioned you remember getting to slap hands with Vince Carter when he was at the Raptors, which crazy enough, he's still playing. Uh, but when you were in high school at a Detroit Pistons game. And so, Right out of school, you started at the Indiana Pacers, ended up working at the Pacers for over five years. What made you want to get into sports? Was it that Vince Carter high five? Like, <laughs> why specifically sales? The, uh, no, so the Vince Carter high five was, was pretty awesome at that time. I remember just being in awe. And um, I think, I don't know if I washed my hands for like 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> I would say it was a, it was a cool moment. It, it wasn't that high five. Um, I actually knew I wanted to work in sports prior to that. I, I kind of made this claim in middle school that I was going to be working in sports. And actually it was because of a different experience that I had going to a Pistons game. And so um, there was this, this experience um, where my mom had kind of pulled her, pulled some strings with a, with an old friend through work um, who was a season ticket holder for the Pistons. And um, he, I, I don't know how he did it, but he ended up, um, providing me and my best friend, um, my, my best friend who we're, you know, still best friends today, um, an opportunity to set the sports table um, at a Pistons game. It was like a Tuesday night, I think versus the Bucks. It was like, you know, some, one, of the, one of their dog games in that era. And um, I, I remember being really in tune to the game, but something that really pulled my attention was all these people walking around in suits. And I thought, man, I don't know what these people do, but I want to do that. I just started saying, you know, from that day forward, you know, I wanted to work in sports, not knowing what that meant. Um, and knowing that I would eventually need to get an education to, to do so. So um, I started on that path. I started doing a lot of research through, um, through middle school into, into high school um, and made it truly like my absolute focus um, to get in. And I think at first when I got into college and why Central was such a, which was such a, a important school for me to go to was because they were the number one athletic training school in Michigan at the time. Okay. For me, being an athlete, I, I really wanted to stay as a part of the team. And so I thought at first I was going to stay, I was going to go the athletic training route. And so I can always be on the bench with the team. Um, and I did like a job shadow, you know, that first start school. And it was this absolute torture, you know, to, to think about sitting there watching 
but do something that I would die to do and just unfortunately didn't have the talent to do. You kind of um, know right away, this is the path not for me. Right, like I can't do this. I was like, okay, let's go back to where this all seated at that, that game. What were those people in suits doing? And I got I to gotta find out what the, what the job is. And so I went on Pistons, you know, website. I scrolled to the very bottom to job opportunities or career opportunities, clicked on it, and it just happened to pop up and promote their, um, their job fair, their annual you know, career fair. Yep. And I signed up. I went out to it um, that freshman year. Went to every professional sports table. Very specifically, the Pistons were like the team I wanted to work for. So, you know, I, um, I went to every table. I said, I'm a freshman. I, I you know, I, in college, I, I know I can't get a job right now. I just, I'm just here to learn what is it that you do? Who do you hire to college? What recommendations do you have for somebody like myself who wants to eventually work in this? And the first thing they started telling me about was ticket sales and inside sales and what it was and, and um, made some recommendations. And so I switched my degrees. You know, I started serving because one of the recommendations was become a server, learn how to talk and communicate with people face to face. So serving and bartending throughout college um, was a way for me to make those connections and then started getting more sales associate positions from there. But um, but that's really what set me um, on path. What, so what did you end up studying at Central? So I actually, um, they have a sports studies degree, which was kind of broad at the time. They now have a full out sports management program um, that is actually pretty well um, and, and pretty good. And so by the time it was called sports studies and it was kind of like vague and kind of all over the place. Um, so I decided to specifically go into marketing um, with a minor in advertising. Um, from my conversations and my research through college, it was like, you know, sales is, is very much a personality um, and a confidence thing. Um, can you go up and confidently sell something? But to understand the, the nature of a sale and what the makeup of a sale is or, the, or the, the architecture of a sale is marketing and advertising. So if you understand the psychology of a sale and what the purpose of is, then you'll be that much farther. So I did marketing and advertising to get myself in the right situation. You know, and so, so a lot of people both that are currently in this industry or people that want to get in this industry are like, well, maybe I don't have much sales experience or I'm not sure if sales for me, it's, it seems hard or it seems rough. It's not fun. So like throughout your college experience, was there anything particular that you did or an internship or a shadow that said, you know what, sales is definitely where I want to start. Like, although I have a marketing advertising degree, sales yeah. is where I want to be. Yeah, I know. I, I knew sales was what I was going to be pursuing because of the research I had done and the feedback I had gotten. I think marketing was more just, again, the educational side of behind it, like what was the makeup. But, you know, I think what outside of the serving opportunities, the internship I took was was definitely um, very important and very um, helpful. And I think in that process. And so, you know, knowing that the Pistons were the job I was trying to get into, I remember my junior year. So I got offered through the career fair, I went back every year to the business career. I was probably the most annoying student. Here she comes again. Here's this girl, like just telling me her passion for what she was doing. I was really crazy. Um, but crazy work sometimes. Um, yeah. but I went um I went back every year and I kept asking for feedback. And what was fun is every year, as you know, we have such decent turnover in our industry. There's always usually a new face at that specific tables. And um, that junior year, I went in and I got the internship with the Pistons. I was like, okay, like I'm in. I felt so in. But then there was this other internship that came out of nowhere during that process. They were also at the career fair. Um, it was with uh, Momentum Worldwide, uh, you know, marketing firm. They had an office in Birmingham, Michigan, and they were specifically on the count for um, PGA. They were the count. They had the count of PGA Buick and Tiger Woods, and they were on. Um, PGA golf, amateur golf tournaments across the country. 
as well as um, the the golf tournament that was in Flint, Michigan at the time. There's a there was a big golf tournament. I think that doesn't exist anymore, but it was then at that time. So the the, the description of the job was very specific. That you was very it was described as if it was inside sales. You had to make a hundred some of the calls a day. You were calling golf courses and convincing them to set up um, these Buick uh, sponsored tournaments in their at their course. So you're just like you're banging out calls all day and convincing people to do it. And the goal was just to book as many amateur golf tournaments as you could. And then once you did that, you click a couple buttons and then somebody else had to like deliver all the packages. But then once you deliver it, then you had to call the dealerships and start selling them sponsorships. Do you want to be the, the main sponsor on this? I need a sponsor. Yep. Yeah, and then you had to call them out based on how, how their location from that course. And um, it was really fun um, of an opportunity, but knowing that that was the opportunity where the Pistons internship was very much like a coordinator, you know, you were, doing these like random projects, you weren't on the phone, you didn't get any experience from a sales perspective. It was strictly kind of like an office assistant, you know, in some way. And though I would have loved to be in the environment, I knew that if I'm going to get in, get in and have an edge, this golf opportunity was better. And it was the one that was going to put me in the position to sell. And so I took the view at golf one. I'm so happy I did. I mean, I learned so much about myself in that process. I loved the phone. I fell in love with the phone and the sales process. Um, and really when I got into the Indiana Pacers, that was one thing that, that gave me another, um, opportunity of edge up is I was able to, um, I was promoted outside of inside sales before I started because I'd already kind of done inside sales and they kind of took a risk on me to do so. But, um, it, I, I really truly believe and based on the com conversation that I had at that time, it was that internship experience that I had pretty much doing this inside sales as internship that, that provided me the opportunity to accelerate past it. And I think that's such great advice. It's not always about the name or that brand, right? Yes. People, you know, and we've heard it as we've recruited in this business. I want to work for this team. Why? Because I'm the biggest fan or I, I love that area. And it's like, that's not always the case. Like do something that's going to drive you and push you and really challenge you to become elite. Right, right. I mean, you want to you wanna be thinking about the job at hand and what are the things that are going to provide you with the opportunity to build up the skills, you know. The experience is one thing. You're going to get the experience regardless, you know. Um, but think about your future and how the opportunity you're taking will help you invest in the future that you want. Take the next one, absolutely. So as, as you spend almost five years at the Pacers, looking back at your time there, you know, what are you most proud of? What was your biggest accomplishment, your, your takeaway from that experience? No, I think with the Pacers, I mean, that's where I developed as a leader. You know, I think that, that was my biggest takeaway. You know, I started off as a, as a rep. Um, I grew up into the director of group sales. Um, and then uh, from there, I became in an interim position. You know, I oversaw the ticket sales team in the interim scenario for about two years before, um, I think, getting the senior director position um, right before I left for the NBA. And so that's where I really developed as a leader, um, understand, understood the importance of, of um, people and and working together as a team so i think that was my biggest takeaway um one was kind of that personal development but also it really solidified how much i, I love this um this career in this industry kind of put you ready to start paving the way and so yeah. you mentioned the mba so so team marketing business operations certainly been a common topic here on 52 weeks of hustle <laughs> i had uh you know dr bernie mullen dr bill sutton who were both kind of the the launchers of yeah the yeah the creators Evo. Um, obviously, Brendan Donahue, who worked there for about eight years before the managing director of the 2K League. And so uh, you, you know, ended up joining that great organization, great department. Throughout your time at Teambo, 
you know, what stood out to you most from industry professionals and executives? Like what are some of those characteristics that always stood out to you? You know, I think that there was, um, what was really interesting to me, I mean, I had been with the Pacers most of my career. I spent a little time with the Detroit Lions. So most of my experience before going to Timba was all Pacers related. Um, and I had been exposed obviously to other people, but never to the level I was exposed to obviously at the, at Timbo is, as you, as you know, you're, you're exposed to so much, um, in, um, very, in a very beneficial way. Yeah. And I think what I, I really, that really stood out to me was that no one executive was like the other. Um, everyone had their own set of opportunities. Um, they had their own set of characteristics. Um, um, and that they, they all responded to opportunities and challenges differently. Um, and that there wasn't always just like this one answer. Um, and it gave me just great perspective at that time. Like you don't have to have all the answers. Um, to be an executive. I thought that was really think, one thing that stood out to me. And then it was important that you have to um, just be a great leader who loves the work, who, who appreciates and loves the lifestyle, and most importantly, loves their people and their fans. And I thought that that really, um, something that really was a big takeaway for me um, in, in, in observing what those executives did and, and do um, at that time. Absolutely. You know, and Deanna, throughout the podcast here, you've mentioned leadership a couple of times and, and growing your leadership skills, becoming a leader. Is there something that sets, you know, in your career as you look back on uh, that's a really good leadership book or a good mentor of, of advice they've told you to help continue to evolve yourself as a leader? No, I don't, I don't think there's one thing, you know, I think it's a, it's a series of multiple things, you know, as you, as you grow as a professional, I think it's so important that you're just constantly in this, this level. Um, I, I say it to my team all the time, like you want to be in this growth mode at all times. Um, you have to embrace continuous learning. You have to work on your craft. You have to go beyond your limits. Um, and you just got to keep pushing yourself to be the best you. And I think that that has been this kind of this process of reinventing myself and pushing myself forward. And it's a series of things. It's, Having a good tribe of individuals, um, as, you, as you mentioned, mentors, I think it's important to have a big tribe of, 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 of individuals that come from different, different, um, different differentiating backgrounds and, and come from different uh, walks of life. Um, it's, that, it's that student mentality of, of reading, listening to podcasts, TED Talks, and exposing yourself um, to, to push your mind to another level um, and challenge yourself in different ways. And so I think it's a, it's a self it's a self-developing process at, at all costs, but there's not one way of doing it. You have to think about, okay, where, where do I want to be? And what are those gaps? And what am I doing to constantly pushing myself to close those gaps? And what, what's also the challenging part is once you close a gap, there's another gap. Right. And that's the pro, you know, and so it's, it's a constant thing. And um, you have to, you hear me say the word love a lot because it, it's, it truly, it's a love, but you have to love that process of growth and development for yourself throughout, throughout the series of growing as a leader. Yeah, to your point, I think there's a lot of blueprints to be super successful in anything we do in this sports business, um, you know, specifically on leadership, but it's really internalizing it and making it your own. Uh, yeah. and, then be and then be willing to pivot because there's a lot of things that are going to come up. And, you know, I don't want to go down the, the road of talking a ton about COVID-19, but that's yeah. you know, an opportunity where a lot of us have had to pivot. So, yeah. you know, again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today is Deanna Witter, Chief Revenue Officer of the Houston Dynamo Dash and BBVA Stadium. So, Yana, after spending two years at the league office, you decided to go back to a team, again within the NBA, as the vice president of ticket sales and service for the Cleveland Cavs. You stayed for almost five years while you were in Cleveland. You helped the Cavs record more than 250 home consecutive sellouts, helped implement a year-round membership platform, 
You're a 40 under 40 recipient for Cranes Cleveland Business and won a championship ring. So, you know, obviously, you're huge kudos to you, a lot of accomplishments there. But what is something you're most proud of at your time in Cleveland? Yeah, you, you, you make like Cleveland sound like I, that's where I just dominated. No, <laughs> it seems we had like some help. we had some help. Um, no, uh, you know, my time in Cleveland um, was a very special. It was a very special um, time um, for me in my, in my career. It's one of those situations, as you know, like when you're working so hard and when you get to a point where you get to have something that's so rewarding as, as that, winning both on the business side and on the team side. Um, it feels like everything just came at a, at a point where like, yes, like you're doing something right. <laughs> um, all, collectively, I think there's a sense of accomplishment there that, that felt really good at that time. So, um, so my time at the Cavs were, were, was definitely very special, um, both, both professionally and personally. Um, there's a lot of things that I felt like there was, that was accomplished. And, you know, along with those once in a lifetime experiences, you know, I think I'm most proud of what we accomplished year after year as a, as a team, you know, um, every year I felt like we were, we were outlining these new goals um, to accomplish. And I think that was interesting. Like in the situation where your team is as successful as it is, you can just hit that line and go, okay, let's maintain. But that was never the mentality. You know, um, our CRO, Brad Sims, you know, was always a guy who just kept pushing that envelope. And I, I learned that right away. And so I started to um, take on some of that as well. Like, okay, like we can't, we can't ever stop. We can never settle. There's always a way in which we can kind of push ourselves forward. And now we want to be a leader of next practices and that really put you in a position to do so. So I was really happy that, you know, we were able to kind of push through um, and set, you know, new accomplish at new heights, you know, for the organization and for all of us um, from a personal perspective. Um, and another thing I would say I was, I was really proud of was like, we just had this great culture um, that was inherited, you know, the Cavs have always had and always been known for such a great culture over the years. And so to be able to, to be a part of kind of, being able to take the torch and, and run it through my years, you know, overseeing ticket sales and then pass it to the next person. You know, I think that was, was, was um, another accomplishment that I felt really good about. We had great people and I'm just really proud of all the members of the team that, that was there at that time um, and where they are today and, and people that I will have a connection to yep. for the rest of my life as I have with most of the places I've been. So. Yeah, there's a, a lot of great people that have certainly come from that organization. And, you know, I, I remember sitting back on, you know, not only on the, the team side, but also in the league meetings, you know, going mm -hmm. in. And I thought you guys always did a great job of no, you yes, you had a great basketball team. You had a great player, but you were always innovative. You were winning awards for things that a person on the court didn't help yeah. with, right. wasn't accomplishing it. Well, thank you. Thank you for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, well, I guess, you know, uh, prior to getting to your current role, you know, probably a question you get often, where do you, where is the championship ring? Where <laughs> often? Is it something you show off? No, um, the ring is cool. It's, you know, it's like wearing a trophy on your hand. So it's <laughs> really ridiculous. Um, no, I, I don't wear the ring. It's, a, it's in a safe in, in my, uh, in my house, which is, which is nice. I have insurance on it. Um, <laughs> Did the last time I wore it was when we were, I think it was the last finals game we, we played in, you know, it was one of those situations like put it back on. Let's hopefully this brings us luck. And we all, there's a group of us that wore it. Um, that felt good. Um, but since then I, I haven't put it back on. <laughs> I, I'm it's sure that's a, a pretty cool experience. Yeah. Very cool. I think when I'm a, a like a really old lady, I'm going to be one of those ladies where I'm going to wear hopefully all the championship rings I get and I'll just like walk around, you know, it's like, multiple. Yeah. You know, 
you know, I won this ring in 2016. <laughs> I'll be like that lady. I can't wait. You're going to be the goals. Down. Hashtag goals, right? Yeah, when, you, when your kids get older and they have grandkids, that's going to be the key. So. Like, oh, here comes grandma with the ring started. <laughs> Just shake your head. Shake your head. <laughs> So, so back in February of 19, you, you decided to make the move, you know, and you mentioned outside of a couple months, you know, with the Lions, you had spent your entire career either at an NBA franchise or the NBA yeah. league office, and you moved to the MLS, and you yeah. started as the chief revenue officer at Houston with the Dynamo Dash and the stadium there. So in your role now, you're responsible for leading the club's ticket sales and service teams, along with corporate partnerships and sales efforts. So prior to getting into that, you know, spending all your career in the NBA and, and there's yep. a lot of talk that the NBA is, is one of the better league offices out there. And, you know, certainly been a known for a long time. A lot of great people have come from it. You know, was there a concern getting to going to the MLS? Was there challenging going to a different league? You know, I think that um, for a long time, I, I never, to be honest, I mean, as I was growing up in the industry, I mean, the NBA and basketball has been such a, a very close thing for me since I was young, as, as I shared about my experience. And so my goals um, early on have always been like, I want to get into the NBA, I want to work in the NBA. And then once you got in, you start to obviously navigate up and you learn a lot more about the broader sense of the industry. Um, at that point, I think, you know, the MLS has been just on this rapid growth curve um, that's been, you, you can't even turn your head from it. Um, the, the, the MLS is just on this ridiculous acceleration of, of a league. Um, this is the 25th anniversary of the MLS actually right now. So it's a very young league. I don't think it was a big concern for me. Um, I think if you would have asked me, you know, what, what I would have had a challenge to move to MLS maybe five years ago. Yeah. You know, I wouldn't have known enough, but I, I wouldn't have known if it would have been a good move at that time for me personally, not knowing enough. But now today, I, I think I'm joining at the best time of the league and, and it's growth and where it is from a growth perspective. And I, I had this sense, like I'm now in a position where I can make a contribution to the success. Um, not, not just as a, from a league perspective, but more specifically in Houston, here's this team in this big market um, who is yet to really kind of break through um, in, in achieving what it should be achieving in the market. It is um, with the, the, the amount of soccer um, enthusiasts and soccer fans that are here, the conversion wasn't happening. So I feel like here's a challenge, here's an opportunity for me to go and show, you know, what I can bring to this club and to this league um, from what I've learned over the last 14 years in the NBA. And I think that that, um, that felt, that felt right. And I felt very connected with it. So when I met with John Walker, who came from the Mifflin's Grizzlies, um, he had just started, I think six months prior and I was his first executive hire. So um, when he shared with me what he, what what brought him here um, and what he was looking to build, I felt very connected um, to the mission um, and what and the values he was looking to instill in this market and with this club. And I, I really very much wanted to be a part of that. So it felt it felt right, you know, when you sense follow your heart, not so much your head. Sometimes I think those two things were very aligned at that at that point. And continue to pave ways. You mentioned John Walker came from the Memphis Grizzlies. You know, somebody else you mentioned, Brad Sims, went over to be the CEO of NYCFC. So you've yeah. got a lot of people. And I think that's the advice that I've always told people as well is that it doesn't really matter the league or the team. It's like, can you get an, you know, is there an opportunity to make an impact? Are you working around yeah. the great people? And, you know, MLS in general, we could go on for a couple minutes, there's a lot of executives now that have come from the NBA or the NFL or the Major League Baseball. So it's certainly a, a rising league as well. And so after spending your entire career kind of in the ticketing world, yeah. what's been the biggest adjustment? Now you're overseeing partnerships and sponsorships. What's been that biggest adjustment to now oversee 
both of those areas of the business? Yes, you know, the biggest adjustment for me has been timeshare. You know, it was, um, it was, it was easy. Um, it was an easy impulse for me um, to dive into the taking strategy once I got there. I mean, I, when I got there, it was two weeks from home opener. So it was like this blaring, like, okay, we're two weeks from home opener and we weren't at the numbers we probably should have been at that point. And so it was really easy for me to go, okay, um, my impulse kind of hit in and I was conditioned to think quickly about the ticket sales and what the challenges were and what we needed to do in a very short window. Um, so that was one of the, the challenging pieces for me is to not get too deep. Um, at the same time, when I had started, there wasn't a head of corporate partnerships. And so that was an interesting scenario. Now, um, so I had to then quickly, you know, dive in and um, a VP position, you know, needed to be hired. So I, I went right away. Um, I had to create that position and then get on the search immediately. Um, and I went for six months where I was really just in the weeds on both ends of the business. Um, I was able to hire a new vice president of ticket sales at Cot that started with us in July. And then the um, VP of corporate partnerships started in August. Um, so I, and I started in February. So um, I think for me, it was that timeshare um, that was really, really the, the most challenging piece is dividing my time up between the two entities. Um, and it, at the time, you know, I think it was, it was very much like, I'm going to have to be in the weeds and it's going to be what's, you know, what's needed and required of me um, to get this ship in the right direction in 2019 and then put us in a position to accelerate forward in 2020. I think that's what we wanted to set place. Um, in addition to that, you know, I think what comes up a lot is when you're in somebody who comes up the ticket sales path, there's always this com conversation that, okay, could somebody who comes up with ticket sales take a position that oversees both corporate and ticket sales? That comes up a lot. But that same conversation is happening from a corporate partnership side. Sales and the challenges are both. You're going to have to go with one of them if you're looking at a chief revenue officer in some most scenarios, unless you go completely outside of that realm. Right. Um, and I think you have to identify what you're looking for in leadership. At the end of the day, the position is leadership, and and so that's what's the most important um, aspect I think of the of the position. Um, but the sales process and everything else, you know, there, there's, there's a lot of similarities, um, though when you're in ticket sales, you're told it's not. And when you're in corporate, you're told it's not, but there actually, there is a lot of similarities. Um, and so you just have to break it down, um, and, and work with those in individuals. But, um, I think all in all, um, you know, I, for me, it was the, it was the timeshare and that I can't just allow my, my, in, my instinct of impulse to jump in and dive into the ticket sales side. I got to let my team run that. Um, so, so you, you kind of mentioned that, you know, there, there's a lot of similarities. There certainly yeah. is. And even Brendan Donahue talked about similarities with the selling the 2K with, right? It's right. completely different. And so I know a lot of our listeners are, are either in this spot right now, they may be in this spot or they've been in this spot. And that is, okay, you, you've had a couple good years of selling. Now do you yeah. want to get into leadership? Do you want to continue to sell at a high level in a premium world? Do you want to get into sponsorship? And so for those individuals that are on this podcast or are, are leaning towards a sponsorship route, what is advice that you would provide to those individuals that ultimately want to get into sponsorship sales? I mean, I think like all things, like you want, like all things you want to pursue, my advice is to explore and learn, you know, rather you're in ticket sales, premium sales, partnership coordinator, you know, and you're thinking and looking up at the, at the sales position, you want to dedicate time to be a student. You know, I think that's the most important piece. Um, you know, I, I always, I usually and always recommend to people schedule one-on-ones with either like a current seller or a leader um, in that area of the business. So, you know, whether it be a, a director or maybe the VP itself, person um, in general, 
um, ask them um, for a one-on-one and ask them to, to provide you with some insights and, and, and share and express your interest in the position and the opportunity in that path and let them present with you some guidance. Um, they'll share with you, um, they'll share with you steps that you can take, areas in which you can improve, experiences that you probably need to take on to start to see if it's something you're connected with. Because if you're going to go that path, you have to make sure that you know that like, that's truly what you want. And the best way to do that is to explore it, ask questions, and, um, and ask for guidance. And I think that's always really important. I think um, the other thing that I've learned um, over the last couple of years, you know, I, I think it's important, that, it's so important that you're open to the feedback too as you're going through that process. The reality is, then not everyone is cut out to sit across the table from CEO or head of global marketing of a Fortune 500 company either. You know what I mean? So conf and just, so I think there's a sense of confidence and communication um, requires self-development. And there's some things that somebody that is a mentor won't be able to help you with. And so you have to know your personal gaps. And, and that self-development piece is going to be really important for you to get there. No, great advice. And I think you brought up self-development a couple of times, you know, throughout this podcast. And this is certainly the time to continue to invest in yourself and if you really yeah. want to be elite. So, 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 so Deanna, you know, I guess with the COVID-19 going on, there's a lot of different things that you've got to look at, right? A lot of ways to pivot, look at your business. And so something in regards to hiring that, you know, really kind of set themselves apart in this business and to try to recruit at the top level, you know, both leaders on that are listening to this podcast as well as people wanting to get in this business is you guys there in Houston actually just had a virtual sales combine. Why did you decide to host that? Yeah. So, um, my ticket sales leaders had planned to host a live combine it had been on the docket of things that we were going to accomplish this year as a team. Um, the, the club had never hosted one before. And so um, when the pandemic shut everything down, I think it was important um, that we make a shift. And so, um, you know, I can't take credit for that. You know, our, our VP of ticket sales, Jacob Hanselman, and our director of ticket sales, uh, Matt Schroll, you know, decided to, to, to take things um, from into a virtual environment. And I, and I kudos to them. I, you know, I'm always pushing and, and giving them, you know, complete reign to, to be creative and, and to pursue the things that they think is right for our club and our brand and for the recruitment of, of great talent in our league. So, um, so for me, I, I think the most important thing is that, you know, that we're, we're continuously looking at talent during this time. So people are the most important part of a team success. And there's, there's no question to that. I think that that is, hands down the most important piece. And so um, this event allows, um, the event really allowed us to not only identify top talent, but it also gives us the opportunity to contribute to the growth of future, um, future sellers and, and, and professionals in this industry. Um, so to be a part of that from a brand perspective is also important to us as we continue to develop who the Dynamo are in this space. And I think that's great advice to, to that point, especially on the leaders that are listening to this podcast is you always have to be recruiting. You've got to keep your funnel full. Like when we get to the turn of this, it's going to be a sprint in a lot of different ways. And so, yes, yeah, some teams may have a hiring freeze right now, but that shouldn't stop, stop your recruiting calls. Yeah. I mean, you got to, you always got to be looking for talent, even when you don't have a position open, it should be something you're always, always working on um, and keeping a very um, good, you know, plenished, you know, pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, you, for, for those individual sales team members on the, on listening to this podcast, challenge your leader, you know, if they challenge yeah. you, what's in your funnel, <laughs> their recruiting funnel. So uh, yeah. good luck with that. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, skipping back to, to where we first started in helping pave the way for successful women 
but equally important is you're a mother of three, two seven-year-old twins and a two-year-old. So we talk about this business, a lot of long hours, nights, weekends. Yeah. You know, how do you keep that work-life balance and find time to spend time with your husband and your kids? Yeah. So this topic is really funny to me um, on my podcast when, you, when anybody listens. Um, so we decided to remove the term work-life balance from the conversation, which is kind of fun. So it's a new mission of mine to, uh, to remove the, this, like, this notion of work-life balance because it doesn't, it's, an, it's, not, it's, not, it's not even an ability. You can't do it. So it doesn't exist. As you described, we, we now have decided this is just the lifestyle. And so what, you know, what is it about um, and how do we, how do we manage our personal lifestyles in our current situations? And so that's always been really fun. So um, it's definitely a unique lifestyle um, for anyone who works in it, as you know, as you mentioned, there's, there's long hours, there's weekends, there's travel. Um, and then there's things that are just completely off script that require just even more time and attention, um, like what we're dealing with right now. Yeah. Uh, and so I think the biggest thing for me um, and how, how we manage our lifestyle with, with kids and family and work. So my husband stays home um, with our kids. I think that's always really important for me to mention. So my husband was, um, he has a bachelor's of nursing. He, had, he was a registered nurse up until the point where we found out we were having twins. Um, I think when we were pregnant, the thought was, oh, we'll, we'll manage that. And then what happened was um, I took a job with Timbo where I, I was committed to traveling like what, 100% of the time. And then um, two weeks after I accepted the job, we had our first doctor's appointment and we got the shocking news that we we're having twins. And I think at that point we just started talking through it and my husband decided and we decided together that um, he would stay home for a year and we'd evaluate what that would look like. And yeah. as you know, I stayed with the league for two years. So then that extended to two years and then I went to Cleveland and there's a thought about him, you know, going back to work in Cleveland. And three months after I started, LeBron James decided to, to come home to Cleveland, which just completely turned our world upside down um, and required more time of, of mine, of course, for that to happen. So my husband has been a dedicated, you know, um, a partner in this whole process. And so our kids, you know, get obviously a parent at home hundred percent and have somebody who focuses on them um, while I'm, I'm able to tackle the more requirements of the career um, and the, of that part of our lifestyle. Um, but I will say when I am home, like, my kids have a hundred percent of my attention. And so, um, so basically how I, how I manage it, I fulfill all the requirements of the job that is required of me. And that's kind of like outlined. And then everything outside of that requirement, I dedicate everything else to my family. And that extends beyond my kids and my husband. That's like my mom, my sister, my aunts, my uncles, my, my, it's like they're all in that. And, you know, I think hopefully if you talk to anybody who knows me, like I would do anything for anyone and I give them everything. Um, and then what happens outside of those requirements and that attention during normal life hours, I then, I then go into this fifth gear and I get back to work. So I'm a person who will open my computer at nine, 10 o'clock and I'll, I'll, I'll be, you know, outputting work, you know, until I pass out. <laughs> so that's me. Um, that's because I, I love it though. You know, I, I'm somebody who I don't see that as a, is like, it, it, this is what's required of me. There is requirements, but then there's a sense of me, like I just need more and I want more. And so I put in those extra hours um, because I want to get the job done. And I think that that's always been good for me. So that's my lifestyle. That's kind of how I, I function. Passion for it. Yeah, but I don't think I'm sacrificing one thing over the other in the sense of how I feel at the core of completeness. Um, I, don't, I don't feel imbalanced, to be honest with you. I feel like 
I'm, I'm, I'm definitely using up my entire day for where it needs to be focused in on each of those individual days as I, as I proceed with them. Yeah, no. And that's, I think that's something that everybody's learning. I know I've talked to a lot of people, even this working from home, it's not yeah. easy to work from home because you never know when to shut off um, and when it ends. And so you mentioned, you know, is it something that you just hide your cell phone when it's a hundred percent family time? Like how do you stay oh, no. some of those distractions? It's definitely, it's definitely with me. I have two cell phones too. So it's even worse. <laughs> I think the thing is, is, I mean, my kids know nothing different, right? Like mom has her cell phone, you know, like it's not, it's just there, you know, and I look down at it, but I'm there. I'm physically there. I'm very much engaged, you know, I'm coloring and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm doing the dances and, you know, we're watching movies, but yeah, it's always, it's always there. I'd be lying if it wasn't. So, um, but the, the time is still quality. I would say. And that's the key, right? Like, you know, to your point, there's not really such thing as a work-life balance. It's very difficult to do, but you've got to manage it and find out what's most important to you. Right. So. Well, well, good. Well, this has been a lot of fun. And so, you know, Deanna, to, to close it out on 52 Weeks of Hustle, I like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So okay. uh, you ready for this? Bring it on. <laughs> All right. So, Deanna, if you had to eat one meal every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Definitely nachos. Nachos. Okay. I could live off nachos. That sounds like somebody that grew up going to a lot of sporting events. <laughs> <laughs> No, it's just like, you know, uh, a nice plate of cheese, you know, like a chips with cheese sprinkles. Like, I, it's just the easiest, most tasty. It's like a college gem um, I absolutely love. Nice, nice. Perfect. So next one, if you have your own late night talk show, who do you invite as your first guest? Oh, Michael Jordan. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, I have to like, that's one person I've yet to um, interact with. And I, I probably would lose my job if I did, but... Um, <laughs> Yeah. Um, now, is that pre or post the last dance? Is, is that oh, no. I mean, this goes back. My, my Michael Jordan um, connection goes back to like when I was eight years old. I've been a big fan since I was a kid. So it's on I my thought list. this is when you were going to bring Vince Carter back into this. <laughs> right. right. <laughs> I should have. No, no. And, and so then finally here, what is your favorite item you've purchased this year? Oh, geez. Um, well, I, for Mother's Day, oh, I just got – um, the Jordan six rings. So I just got a pair of Jordans for Mother's Day, which was a really nice purchase. I bought it for myself. So that's why I say I purchased it. As you I, should. I was giving myself a gift. My husband does a good job and the kids make some really cool stuff, but there's always this one thing. I'm like, I'm going to get this and I'm going to say it's for Mother's Day. So, right. Even if you buy it six months from now. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, good. And, and so, really, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener? to try to be in your shoes one day. This is very team of the three things I like. <laughs> um, uh, be, be your authentic self. Um, love what you do. And um, never stop, never settle. I think that would be my three. Love it. Love it. Well, Deanna, thank you so much. I really appreciate your time. Certainly your expertise. Pleasure to have you on here. And, and certainly best of luck with Women's Blazers and, and your podcast. And certainly best of luck in Houston. Oh, thank you, Travis. And, and congratulations to you and, and launching your podcast as well. Good luck with everything and, and wish you much success as you continue. Thank you so much. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. So follow us at 52 Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week.